Thank you, Jesus. Um, I feel a really special grace in the room um, right now. Um, the uh, the day that my mom passed away, um, I was laying in my bed that night, and I was just talking to God and trying to kind of reconcile some things, as you can imagine. And the Lord started taking me through um, her life and some of the stuff that she walked through. And when I got to the end, he said, Katie, for the first time in your mom's life, he's not afraid anymore. And I'm not saying that I'm like in a super great spot where I'm like, okay, yeah, cool. But it definitely gave me some peace, right? Like, she's not scared anymore. The other thing that happened that night that was super dangerous for the devil was I um, decided I have a personal vendetta against fear. Because it plagued my mom for her whole life. And if you don't know that about her, it's because she hit it really well. But she was scared her entire life. And there's a lot that goes into that. Um, So now I have a personal vendetta to get rid of fear. Because she set me up for that. Because she made sure that I wasn't afraid. If she was going to do it scared, she made sure I wasn't scared. And so that's where the enemy messed up. And she did that for a lot of you. I've heard a lot of people say that that's the impact that she had in your life. So um, because of that, I want to invite you today. If fear is something that you deal with, we're going to get rid of that. Because I feel a really special grace for that today. That that's what God wants to do for you. Because he's a good dad. And um, how do you know if you deal with fear? Um, You have control issues. Sorry. (laughs) But when we try to hyper-control everything, it's because we're actually scared of what we think is going to happen. That's all control is, is fear. So if you have control issues, you have a fear problem. You don't actually have control issues, you have a fear problem. So I'm going to ask you to do it. I'm going to ask you to be brave. And if you think, if you are like, you know what, you're right, fear is something that I deal with. Maybe fear is something that I haven't always dealt with, but I have this one situation and fear is plaguing me. Or maybe I'm like your mom and I've just been scared. I want you to stand up because we're going to get rid of that. Come on. I mean, I can't... Okay, so if you're not standing... Welcome to the prayer team. So if you're not standing up, I want you to put your hands on somebody that is standing up because we're family. And so family goes through stuff together, right? Family walks with each other and says, no, not in my house. Not my family, not my sister, not my mom. That's what family does. Not in my house. This doesn't exist in my house. And this is our house. So Jesus, we thank you That perfect love expels all fear. Not some of it, not just the hard parts, but every bit of it. Perfect love takes care of it. And so God, I just ask that you drench every person that stood up that said, you know what, I'm scared. I don't know what's gonna happen. I've got this thing 
God, I would ask that you would drench them in your perfect love. That fear is just a liar and it's loud in our heads, but it's, it's a liar. And your truth is that you love us, you are always with us, that your word says that we could go to the depths in darkness and you would be there. That there's nowhere we can go that you won't be with us. And that fear would have us picture a future where you're not there. And that's just not true. The truth is that you are already there working it out on our behalf. That you've already entered into the situation and you are working it out for us because you are a good father who can be trusted. So God, we take our hands off the reins and we say we don't have to control everything. We don't have to try to control other people. We don't have to try to control every situation. That I'm just going to control me. I'm going to be in charge of myself. I'm going to take responsibility for me. And I'm going to trust you, God, to work out the rest. That you're way more interested in working out things on my behalf than even I am. That it is your pleasure to give good gifts to your kids. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that your love casts out fear. Period. Cast it out. It doesn't come back. That your love takes care of it. In the name of Jesus. God, I thank you that today would be a marking point for people where they can say, yes, God delivered me that day. I found freedom that day. I don't live in that bondage anymore in the name of Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. We love you. We love you. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. Okay. Um, We're going to transition to um, our offering. So if I could get the ushers to to go ahead and come up. Um, And while they're um, passing the buckets and collecting the offering, um, we, I am going to talk about dad's appreciation. Y'all can go ahead. Sorry. Um, so like Lonnie said, the first Sunday in April, um, dad will have been um, at the church in some capacity for 35 years. And that's a long time. Um, and I can tell you probably better than anybody um, what that cost him. And he won't tell you that but I will. (laughs) Um, You don't give 35 years to a ministry and it not cost you something. And it it has cost him. And he would do it all over again. And God was totally in it. And so it's not a bad thing, but it it is the truth. And um, so we want to celebrate him and we want to bless him for, for the sacrifices that he has made um, for the kingdom and for us, um, because we have all benefited from his sacrifice. And um, so we are, we want to give him a gift um, on his anniversary. Um, and he um, likes cash. So, <laughs> 
instead of, we were going back and forth on, do we do a gift? Do we do, and I was like, well, I have to buy him Christmas presents every year. And I can tell you, he's the hardest person on my list to buy for every year. Um, and so the easiest thing to do is give him cash. And most of us like that better anyway. So um, we want to collect up um, some money for him till we can give him a nice check and give him a little vacation to um, take a, a take a breather and get refilled. And so um, I encourage you to um, pray about what, what the Lord is asking you to do for that. You can give online to that. There is like a, in the drop down, you can choose that you want your gift to go towards that. Um, or if you do a check or whatever, just, you know, put in the memo that you want that for the pastor's appreciation. And we're excited to celebrate him in a couple weeks. And we had to talk about this today because he's hardly ever out of town. And so we can't, haven't had a chance to talk about it. We were like, we need you to go somewhere. Go, bye. Um, and so um, we're grateful for that. He did want me to tell you to pray this morning as he's speaking at Andy's church. Um, so excited about that. And um, because he gets to go minister there, then we get the um, great privilege of having um, Brother Ed Peoples speak to us this morning. I don't know about you, but I feel so good every time I see him. So we're so excited he's here. I get the distinct privilege of following the great mountain man preacher. Wow. Wow, the good crowd upstairs. Good to see all of y'all. Um, I heard this the other day, and I just I just got to share it with some of you. Probably already heard it, but uh, this uh, <laughs> this country preacher wanted to have a graphic dis- demonstration of the Holy Spirit descending on Jesus when he came down uh, on him and when he was baptized, and so. Over the over the pulpit, he had a vent in the ceiling, and he took the he took the vent out, and he got this little boy to go up there in the attic, and he he gave him a dove, and he said, "Now, when I when I say, and the Holy Spirit came down like a dove, you drop that dove down through that vent." And so he got to the point in the message, he said, the Holy Spirit came down like a, descended like a dove. Nothing happened. I said, the Holy Spirit descended like a dove. Nothing happened. He said it one more time. I said, the Holy Spirit descended like a dove. And he heard a voice in the attic said this, preacher, the cat ate the Holy Spirit. Do you want me to throw him down? I I assure you this morning, the cat has not devoured the Holy Spirit. He's here in this place. And I know he's here in this place because I can can feel him strong. Like Katie said, you know, in in talking about a ministry that goes on, Debbie Mitchell's ministry goes on through her. Uh, we, we don't realize sometimes uh, the legacy that we're leaving. Now, um, before I begin, I want to throw something in that's free. It don't cost you a single extra cent. Uh, and that is uh, that 
there's a, a grave situation in our world right now. And if you remember the last time I spoke to y'all, um, before all this other stuff came upon me, um, I was warning, I gave a prophetic warning and I, I told the church, it's time to trim your lamps. Because uh, I really do, getting a lot of feedback up here. I really do believe that we're close to the rapture of the church. Um, I, I know we're close to war. Uh, Russia's on the border of Ukraine. Um, North Korea's talking about invading South Korea. Um, China's in talking about invading Taiwan. And as of we speak, as of, as of right now, as I speak, uh, there are at least 30 Russian ships either in the Black Sea or on the Mediterranean coast just off the, the coast of Israel. And if you're um, a student of Bible prophecy, you know that, that uh, Ezekiel 38 says that Russia, Iran, and Turkey will come against Israel and there'll be a war. Now, I don't know if Ezekiel 38 is right, right now, but I do know this. Uh, it is time for us to trim our lamps, church. We can't dilly-dally around anymore. And when the bridegroom comes, we need to be ready. We need to be ready. If you're not saved, you need to get saved because it's going to be hell on this earth when Christians are brought out. Uh, up to heaven in the rapture of the church. That's when the tribulation starts. And if you are saved, please, uh, please be ready. Look forward to his coming. The Bible tells us to look forward with anticipation and great joy to the return of the Lord. So uh, that's free. Uh, don't count that against my time, if you would, please. Um, I want to read three scriptures at the beginning here, and uh, you'll understand the meaning, uh, the, the object of the uh, purpose of these scriptures as we go on in the message this morning. But um, I want to, um, I want to talk about a serious issue this morning that is found in most of the churches, most of the Christians in this world. Um, I think Rodney, <laughs> I think Rodney uh, throws me in every once in a while, Lonnie, to do the hard messages. <laughs> so everybody will love him and uh, everybody will say, well, that Ed, he's something else, uh, you know. But uh, uh, let, let's, let's read the scripture and we'll see what happens. Hebrews 10, 14 through 15 says this. Do we have it? Hebrews 10, 14 through 15. I know we got it somewhere. I guess we don't have it. All right, I'll read it to you. Hebrews 10, 14 through 15 says, Pursue peace with all people. Pursue peace with all people. It's a pursuit because all people won't be nice to you. Okay? Pursue peace with all people and holiness. Without which no one will see the Lord. Without which no one will see the Lord. Now what does that mean? What it means is without suing peace with, other, with all people and without holiness, 
you won't experience the presence of the Lord. Now, I'm not talking about righteousness. I've preached so many times about you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And when I first started talking about all that kind of stuff, the eyeballs were about big as saucers. But you've got to understand what the definition of righteousness is. It's right standing with God. And when you get saved, you're in right standing with God. Holiness is a different issue. Holiness is living holy. And you have to strive for it. You, you can be righteous without living a holy life. So we need to pursue holiness. And you will experience the presence of God. Next verse. Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God. Lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble. And by this many become defiled. By this root of bitterness many become defiled. What is it talking about? It's talking about Christians. 1 Peter 4.19 Therefore let all those who suffer according to the will of God Commit their souls to him in good doing, in doing good, as to a faithful creator. It's those who suffer according to the will of God. Jesus told us that we will have tribulation in this life. It's not all going to be biscuits and gravy. There's going to be some tribulation. But we have to remember one thing, that we serve a faithful God. Now, the, the depth of bitterness is found in the book of Job, in the life of Job. And I'm going to read a verse to you, Job 10, uh, verses 1 through 3. This is awful, y'all. My soul loathes my life. I will give free course to my complaint. In other words, I'm going to let it fly. I'm complaining, God. And I will say to God, well, let me, let me I skip the part. I will speak in the bitterness of my soul. Ooh. At least he admits it. And I will say to God, do not condemn me. He's telling God what to do. Do not condemn me. Does it seem good to you that you should oppress, that you should despise the work of your hands? <laughs> he said, God, you, you're despising the work of your hands. And still you smile on the counsel of the wicked. So I guess he considers him, himself to be the work of God's hands, but the wicked must not be. The work of God's hands, in his opinion. So, I've entitled today's message, Why God? Now, I ran across some quotes when I was researching this message, and I want to read a couple of those quotes to you. And I want you to listen very carefully to these quotes because I thought they were so profound, I wanted to have them in this message today. The first one is this, Bitterness blows out the candle of joy. And leaves a soul in darkness. Now at some point in time in this message. You're going to have to start looking inside yourself. 
to see if there's any bitterness, okay? The seed of bitterness is a seed of hurt in someone. Hurt people hurt others. Hurt people hurt others. Did you know that when you know that you're forgiven by God and you know you live in His grace, you can forgive other people as well? When someone becomes bitter, the bitterness takes root in the heart and grows deeper. The soil of bitterness is a heart that harbors hostility and does not deal with hurt. Now, we all know that, this, that Satan comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And one of the prime times he tries to do that is when things happen in our lives. And Rodney calls that when life happens. I know you've heard him say that many times. Uh, when life happens, the enemy comes. And he'll whisper in your ear something like this. Why God? Why did God allow this to happen to you? might even say, God's punishing you for your sins. Now that's a lie. Because he's already punished Jesus for your sins. Jesus died once and for all for our sins. So he's not punishing us. Why did God allow that to happen to you? Why didn't God do this? Or why did God do that? Have you ever heard that thought? Have you ever had that thought in your mind? Why God? Sometimes the children of God are the world's worst. They're blaming God for the things that happened to them. We're always looking for someone to blame, aren't we? When something happens, I, I, I'm, I'm so amazed that when, when there's an incident anywhere in the world, the first thing they start doing is looking for blame. Who caused this accident? What you know? That, that's just human nature. And so we're all, when we have problems, we're always looking for someone to blame. And too many times, when things happen to us, we start blaming God. Resentment toward God. Re Do you know it's easy to build resentment towards someone that you think has done you wrong? And can you see how twisted and perverted that idea is that God could do something wrong to anybody? What, what we forget is that after man sinned, God didn't just destroy us all. He just didn't say, I'm through with, okay, I'm through with it. At one point in time, he almost, you know, he didn't do that to Adam and Eve, thank God. But at one point in time, he was ready to wipe the children of Israel off the map. And Moses interceded for him. But aren't you glad he didn't do that? And here's what he did do. He gave his son to die for us. To redeem us. Remember this. Jesus became poor so that we could become rich. He was cursed so that we could be blessed. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. He was beaten for our healing he died so that we could live and he arose from the grave so that we could have eternal life. That's what we need to remember instead of blaming God for things. Now, I'm going to pull this Bible back out. God gave us a set of instructions on how to live. They're right here in this book. 
And if you apply, apply those, those instructions to your life, things will come out right. Now, I know, uh, men, you got a special hard road to hoe here because when we get, when men, when we get something in and we got to put it together, uh, here's what we do with the instructions. Throw them off to the side. And then we put it together incorrectly two times before we go back and find the instructions and find out where this handful of parts go in this thing. And then there, then there are times when we do get it successfully put together and then two weeks later it breaks and we got to go find the instructions to find out why it's not working right. We don't need in our lives to wait till something breaks to go find this word. The instructions are here. He tells us how to live a godly life. Now, um, in that word, he tells us things like, but there's a lot of things he tells us. But he, he will say things like, uh, God is love in this word. I am love. God is good. God is always faithful. And so, when you have this in your heart and you know what God is really like, it makes it a little bit more difficult to say, why do you do this, God? Doesn't it? Most of you know the challenges I've faced over the last few years physically in my life. About a year and a half ago, I made a decision not to have open heart surgery when they told me I had to have open heart surgery. I was, uh, had the heart cath on, I think it was Friday or Saturday, Friday maybe. And they said, Tuesday, you've got to have open heart surgery. Can't wait. Well, I didn't have it on Tuesday. As a matter of fact, I got a second opinion. And the doctor said, you don't have to have open heart surgery if you elect not to. I suggest you do. But I can put in eight stents in your arteries and you might can make it for a while. So I decided to do two things. Pray, trust God, and make a positive confession. I decided not to have open heart surgery, not to have stents. And so just recently, I had a nuclear stress test. I had the first one. It was pretty bad. Well, in the meantime, over a period of a year, I got on a heart-healthy diet, so there, there are some things you've got to do in your life. You understand that, right? You, you can't just, you know. The doctors told me 35, 40 years ago that if you would lose weight, you could control your diabetes. Well, I was stupid and I didn't. Okay, so there are some things you can do proactively. But anyway, I went on diet, lost 40 pounds, uh, heart-healthy diet. And I'm going to tell you something, man. It's difficult not to have ribeye steak. Uh, but uh, anyway, I just got the, the, the stress test, the nuclear stress test, and the doctor was blown away. He said, I've never seen anything like this. What? <laughs> Duh. You don't know anything about faith, trust in God, and positive confession. And, uh, and, and so he said, let me tell you something. I think you made the right decision not to have the open heart surgery and the stents. Duh. And I, I went to have my I went to have these uh, 
lab tests and all this blood and all this stuff. And so for the first time in my life, my blood sugar was 6.3%. 6.3. I mean, uh, A1C. A1C was 6.3%. Not blood sugar. That, that would be way too low. The A1C was 6.3%, which is a very good A1C, if you know anything about diabetes. And uh, all my blood work was great. Uh, everything was functioning normally. Cholesterol was down for the first time in my life in the normal range. Triglycerides were down. Um, all that stuff. And so I was so excited. And COVID was winding down in, in my health. I had all these good reports and all this stuff. And, and I was thinking, man, I'm ready to get back and get deeply involved in the work of the church and helping Rodney some more than, you know, he's, he's been very good to me in spite of all the times I've been out and in spite of all the things that's happened to me. And I've said this before. This is a tribute to him. He has never said one negative word to me about not being here. Some of you last week offered me a visitor's um, card. <laughs> and a week before that. But, but Rodney Mitchell has never said one one negative word to me about, and, and I tried to retire a year or two ago, and Rodney Mitchell said, there ain't no way, you know how he talks, no way you're not retiring. So anyway, I was, I was so excited, and then all of a sudden, <clears throat> then all of a sudden I started having these back pains, really bad back pains I'm talking about, um, I couldn't focus mentally. I couldn't, I couldn't walk. The only way I could get anywhere was to bend over like this and take a few steps. Hurt really bad. And so um, I went to the doctor and they diagnosed this with, uh, they diagnosed me with uh, spinal stenosis and degenerative disc with arthritis. Got to have surgery. So... <laughs> I went to my heart doctor and I said, they want to do surgery on my back. He said, no way. Your heart won't take it. Don't do the surgery. So I told the surgeon, I can't do surgery. And, and then uh, he said, well, he was very upset. He said, well, Mr. People, how long do you want to live? And I said, well, as long as God wants me to, I guess. And so... <clears throat> To make a long story short, I made it too long now. Uh, I got to the point where I got to the point where I, I, I was just I wasn't blaming God for anything, but I was just ready to throw in the towel and say, I need to quit. I need to quit trying. Things keep happening. But Here's the, here's the good news. Dr. Dingle, Dr. Edith Dingle, do you, do you know her? Well, she's been praying, number one, but she sent me a bunch of um, homeopathic anti-inflammatory stuff in the mail. And with the help of Tylenol and anti-inflammatories, I'm walking. My back right this minute is not hurting. And so here's the, here's the bottom line of all that. I'm not giving up. I'm not giving up. 
I had a dream the other night, and I don't know what this means. I don't know exactly, uh, you know, God, God is so interesting. He, he's such a, he's, such, he's so great. And he'll tell you stuff. And then when you say, would, would you kind of expound on that a little bit, Lord? And then, crickets. You don't hear anything. But you know you heard God. And here's what he said in a dream to me. And I'll tell you something. My dreams are, whew. I have had dreams. And I, I know the future of this church. And one day Rodney said he wanted me to, to have a message where I told about the dream that I saw in uh, the future of this church. But what he said to me was this. Your ministry is just beginning. I'm 75 years old. I turned 75 on Monday. I'm 75 years old, got all these medical conditions, and the Lord tells me this. He says, your ministry is just beginning. Now, I don't know what that means. But it means I can't give up. I can't quit. Because something's going to happen. And if I fall over dead before I get down from here, guess what? I figured out. My children and grandchildren are going to carry on my legacy, just like that one right there is doing with her mama. Now, here's what God told me. He said, don't look at those things that have happened to you. Don't look at your medical condition. Here's what I want you to look at. I want you to look back over your life and see some of the things that I have done. And so I got to thinking about it. I said, okay, Lord, I'll make a list. Because I was getting ready to do this message. And so I made a list. And the first one I have on here is the gift of Emma. Emma's my oldest grandchild. Emma's a miracle baby. She was never supposed to happen. You see, uh, Bill and Edith were told they couldn't have children because Bill was subjected to Agent Orange when he was in the forestry department. And so they had been trying for six years and no baby in the medical. medical. <laughs> I, love, I love medicine. And if you're nurses or doctors in here, I love you, but and let me tell you something, the medical don't know everything, but God does. And so one day, Monica McAllister, bless her heart, she said, Edith's pregnant. She pro made a prophecy about Edith being pregnant. Well, nine months later, guess what? We got Emma, a miracle baby. Now, the devil was not through yet because Emma was severely autistic. She didn't talk till she was three years old. She was very antisocial. She, was, she would scream bloody murder if you tried to take her to a restaurant or anywhere in public. But my wife, bless her heart, never gave up. She never gave up praying for the children. She never gave up after Emma was born. Never gave up praying for Emma. And when Emma wouldn't eat for... For the longest time, she wouldn't eat anything but peanut butter and chocolate. So my daughter came up with all these, and, and <laughs> all these really, Lonnie knows. She would make muffins with butter beans crushed up in them and chocolate and all that so that she had to taste it. Anyway, she came up with all that. But here's what my wife would say for that long period of time when she wouldn't eat anything. Emma loves all good things to eat. 
Emma loves all good things to eat. I heard that so many times. And God heard it so many times that finally at last, guess what? Emma loves all good things to eat. Now let me tell you something. This baby that was not supposed to be born is now a junior at Western Carolina University, has been on the president's list every semester. She's already been admitted to grad school as a junior and will take grad school classes next semester as well as while she's finishing up. And listen to what her, the one who, who wouldn't talk for three years, listen to what her uh, curriculum is. She's majoring in creative writing. That's God. Now I want to tell you another one. Uh, shifting gears a little bit for provision over my life. I look back over provision and, and, and it shouldn't surprise me because I've always been a tither and God said if you tithe I'll always provide for you. But when we were starting out, when we were young we were starting out and, and I, neither one of us, I don't think Eva was even working at that time, I'm not sure, but I wasn't making a whole lot of money and we'd have a big garden every year and and uh, we needed the garden because we put up, we froze things and had vegetables all went along. We used it for food for the year. Well, it was, it was a, there was a bad storm coming and they predicted hail. And uh, the corn was up maybe this high. And so I prayed. I said, God, you, you know we need this crop. Would you, would you please not let the hail destroy this crop? And so we had the storm. It was a horrendous storm, all kind of hail, lots of hail. And so after it was over, I went outside to look at the, the garden. And all of, all the hail was lined up down the middles of the rows. All down the middles. And the corn didn't have any hail on it. And the corn was not damaged, not a blade of, you know, they have these blades, nothing damaged. And God said, I delivered you from death. And I got thinking about those times that I might have been delivered from death. Can you give me five more minutes? Okay. Um, when, I was a, when I was a little boy, we had a tornado come through Phoenix City, uh, up there where Wayne Scarver and I live, lived at the time. And we lived in a little shotgun house, straight, <laughs> straight shotgun house. And there were two great big pine trees on the back, in the backyard. And the tornado came through. And it blew over those two trees and just went right down the side on both sides of the house, just right down the sides. Spared the house. Definitely would have probably taken us out. And then I was headed to Atlanta one day on a business trip. Uh, I was going to fly out and go somewhere, and uh, it was raining really hard. My car hydroplaned, and... Uh, I don't know how many 360s I did in the road. Nobody hit me. And I was skidding driver's side sideways down the side of the road, like that, down on the grassy area beside the road like that. 
and I could see this great big tree down there coming, coming right toward me. And, and the only thing I could remember saying it was this, well, this is the last time I'll drive this car. <laughs> and, and, and thank God I wasn't scared, but after I hit the tree, it drove, that, it, it, that tree drove a hole and you know, it just dented the thing in halfway across the hood where that far from where I was seated, another foot back and I'd have been ultimately crushed. And, and it spun the car around and it slung it down through this grassy area down through there. Never hit another thing. I got out, turned the car off, walked up to the road to wait for somebody to come. And uh, I have looked. I've gone to Atlanta and down that road so many times since then. I've looked and looked and looked for that grassy area where there were no trees. I can't find it. I don't know where it went. All I know is I hit one tree. It missed me. And I slung down in the woods, and there were no trees there. And then I was headed to Auburn one morning when I was working at Auburn, and it, the road was icy, and, I, and my car slid, went off the road, and I was going just like this, sideways, passenger side front this time. I was just skidding like this. And I said, oh, Lord, help me. And then all of a sudden, my car just did that, and it was on the road. I didn't touch the steering wheel. I didn't do anything. It got back on the road and went in the right direction. Isn't it strange that it was going in the right direction? <laughs> but the worst one was this. When Joanna and I were, were commuting together, when she was a student at Auburn, I was still working there. We were coming home one day, and, and this uh, motorhome was sitting there on the side of the road on 280, and dead still. And I was doing 65 down the road like normal. I wasn't speeding or anything. And I, I was looking around, and there were at least two cars behind me and one beside me. And so right when I got really close, when I got really close to that motorhome, he just pulls out in the street right in front of me. And I had to make a choice. Either run into the back of him and hit head on with Joanna right there, or swerve and, and, and pray that I would not kill somebody in the other car, but I figured that it might be a better to have a slant, you know, glancing blow than to hit head on. So I just swerved, swerved my car like that and got out and passed the car. And Joanna was screaming because I don't know how I missed him. And I looked around in my rear mirror and beside me and in front of me. There weren't any cars. I don't know where they went, but I do know this. They didn't hit us, and we didn't hit them. God delivered us. And then one more, and I'll get ready to close. The miraculous. When we were in, uh, when we were in Webb, Alabama, at a Bill Johnson conference, uh, Joanna was home from... L.A. visiting us, and she went with the conference with me because she had gone to Bethel several times for ministry. She had been ministered to at Bethel several times. 
I, and so she, when Bill came, she wanted to go with, with me down there to, to the conference. And so, uh, you know how Bill does. We were, we were all in the audience, and he said he was t having different ones stand up. If you had this problem, stand up, and people would come. Like a while ago when, when, when Katie did that, and people come lay hands on and pray for him. Look, miracles happen when, it happen, when you do that, okay? I guarantee you miracles happen when you do that. Anyway, so the, he had done several things, and he said, if anybody's got any teeth problems, stand up. Well, I had a broken tooth, and I broke it just before I went down there, and so I said, hey, that's me, and I stood up for a miracle for my broken tooth. Well, I didn't. I, they, they prayed. Somebody came behind me and prayed for me. Just like a while ago, this sweet lady prayed for me. I'm so. By the way, um, when you were praying, I felt something dripping on my head. It's, it felt like oil. Oil drops dripping on my head. But uh, anyway, they they came up and they prayed for me, and I I didn't feel anything, and I sat down. You know how you run your tongue through your mouth to see, did God fix that broken tooth? And no, it's still there. The broken tooth was still there. And so I thought, well, here's what I said. Lord, I pray that you heal somebody that stood up today. And I just assumed that I had, I, I, that it wasn't my time or whatever. I didn't know. And so then we had a break, and, and Joanna was over on the other side of the church over there, sitting with one of her friends or something, I forgot who. Uh, and uh, she came over to me after the break, and she said, Daddy, do you have gold teeth? And I said, Baby, you know I can't afford, to, can't even hardly afford to go to the dentist, much less have gold put in my mouth. She said, God told me that you have gold teeth. And I said, uh, I don't know anything about that. She said, open your mouth and let me look. So I opened my mouth. And she started bawling. By the way, she's good at that. She bawls when she's happy and she bawls when she's sad. But she started bawling. And she said, Daddy, you have two gold teeth. One on the top and one on the bottom. And if you'd like to see them, I'll show them to you after the service. I thought for a long time, why did God do that? And I tried to figure out what you know, he, I know he has a sense of humor because he didn't fix my broken tooth, but he gave me two gold teeth. <laughs> and uh, I, I thought, I, I tried and tried and tried. And I realized later, when I saw the things that Joanna was going, go, she went back to L.A. and for the next six months, she went through so many trials and things were so difficult for her. And I do believe this with all my heart, that God did that to give her a sign. I'm here. I don't care what's going on in your life. I'm here. So when I look, when I look back at all these things that God has done in my life, um, I don't have a right to say, why God? Why, why is this happening to me? Because God has been so good to me, and he's been so good to all of us. And so I don't have the right to say that, and you don't either. You don't either. If you're harboring any resentment toward God for anything that's, that's happened to you or has not happened to you, 
over your lifetime. Don't let it turn into a, a root of bitterness in your heart towards God. Because as I read that scripture in the beginning, or, or gave you that quote, that bitterness blows out the candle of joy. And with bitterness in your heart towards God, you will never experience His presence. Never experience His presence. Let me tell you something. The presence of God is worth everything. It's worth everything. And so, as I close, I want to, before Lonnie comes up, I, I, want, I want us to, to bow our heads and let me pray. And, um, and I, and I want to ask you to do something for me. I want you to, to look at your heart real closely. Examine yourself. Because somebody's going to be set free today. You don't even you you did you didn't even know you needed to be set free when you came in here uh an hour and a half ago or whenever it was. But God is going to set somebody free today because you're going to realize what's blocking the presence of God in your life may be in a resentment towards God for things that have happened or things that have not happened in your life. And so I want you to just say in your heart, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray it and you can say it in your heart, okay? If you wouldn't, say what I say. Dear Father in heaven, forgive me for any negative thoughts that I've ever had against you. Forgive me for any resentment that I've ever harbored in my heart towards you, God thinking God could have done this but he didn't God should have done that but he didn't God did this and he shouldn't have so Father forgive us all we've all listened to the enemy sometimes it says God didn't really have your best interest at heart when really you always do, Lord. All things happen for good to them that love you and are called according to your purpose. Remind us that you're good and you're always good. Remind us that you're precious to us, Lord. And we want to experience your presence in a way that we've never experienced before. And so this thing of resentment toward God is blocking that experience in many, many people. So I just want you to ask him right now. Say, Father, please, I want to experience your presence and I'm sorry for the resentment that I may have had against you. And if you'll do that, you'll be set free. I promise you. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. Amen. Come up, Lana. Well, I am extremely, extremely grateful for Ed. 
when I, Nikki and I came back a couple of years ago, and uh, Rodney brought me on as associate pastor, uh, Ed is our other associate pastor, and uh, he tried to be smooth and retire out, and Rodney shut him down. I absolutely will. Yeah. And um, yeah, let me get on this other side. And, uh, and so Rodney said, hey, I'm going to give you all the other stuff I don't want to manage to manage, and I'm going to let Ed stay on as just wise counsel. And I was like, well, that sounds great for you and Ed. Thank you. But uh, it was probably the wisest decision Rodney's ever made, uh, keeping Ed on for counsel. Uh, because the amount of uh, just insight and wisdom and just relationship that him and Eva have is, uh, we are a very blessed house <laughs> just to have those two. So um, I've been offended, Nikki has benefited for years between those two and their kids, uh, <clears throat> mainly Edith, a little bit from Bill, but but Edith mainly. But um, So thank you. Uh, we're going to wrap up, but you know, I just feel... A couple of things. I feel like there's a couple of people, you came here this morning and you just said, man, it's been a week. It's been a year. Are we in December yet? Like, why is this only February? It's been one of those. And I just feel like you came hoping to hear something from the Lord. Um, so I want to ask some of our pastoral team, if you'll come up front um, just to be available. So Katie and Jonathan, Nikki, if you want to come up, uh, Gail, you'll come up. Uh, any of our pastoral team, Jeff and Jackie, Caleb, if you're around. Um, if you just say, I just need a word from the Lord. I just need to hear that the Lord is still speaking. He is. Uh, sometimes we can cloud our brain with so much other stuff, it's hard to hear. And the Lord gives us the privilege of just uh, hearing him for you sometimes. So if that's you, when we close, I want you to come up. If you have... Uh, needs in your body, needs in your finances, needs in general. Uh, our pastoral team is up here to pray for you. We just want to encourage you. And uh, I just want to pray for Ed and Eva real quick as a church family. I think it's important that um, we honor mothers and fathers of the house, and we have plenty in here that I could go through and point out and name, uh, but these two I'm super grateful for. So, Father, we just pray for Ed and Eva. We speak health and wholeness in Jesus' name. God, that uh, we thank you that your word, your faithfulness is bigger than any report from a doctor. God, it, we just speak complete healing in Jesus' name. No pain, no discomfort. God, every negative report, it just crumbles. And every time I go back to the doctor from here on, it's positive reports coming out. Now, we thank you that uh, it's true. Their ministry is just beginning. There's a lot of life left. There's a lot of things to invest into and to sow into. And God, we thank you for every aspect that their hands and their words have, have impacted for us in Jesus' name. Well, we love you. Thanks for coming out. Uh, I, I always want to make this invitation. If you came here and you say, I don't know Jesus, but I want to. Uh, Ed's message, Katie's word, something this morning has stirred me that I, I don't know Jesus the way y'all are talking of him, but I want to. Please come see our staff. Uh, if we can pray for you in any ways, please come back. And then just remember Wednesday, uh, Ed and William will be teaching up uh, up the park a lot, and then Thursday for our men's ministry. But uh, bless you. Have a great week. Go love on somebody, and we'll see you next Sunday. Come out of sadness from wherever you've been. Come broken hearted, let rescue begin.